Welcome to Shooting the Frisbees with your hosts, Jake and Randy, discussing all things freestyle frisbee and whatever else that comes up. Welcome to Shooting the Frisbees with Jake and Randy. Hey, Randy, how's it going? Hey, it's going great, Jake. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, here in Hawaii, and uh, yeah, looking forward to our new our guest today. Yeah, unbelievable that we have this opportunity to talk to these folks today. I mean, I don't, I don't even. There are not enough words to describe sort of what they've given to the sport, who they are as people. Uh, I mean. Hall of Famers, legends, friends, incredible freestylers, and we have the Velasquez brothers here with us today. Welcome, Jens and Irwin. Unbelievable. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Nice us. to be here. You guys are awesome, man. Yeah. Yeah, I, I uh, have to agree. You know, I, we're excited about talking with you guys. We love you guys. You guys have done so much for the sport yourselves, and so this is I awesome. I tell you, man, really enjoy your podcast. I mean, it's really great what you guys are doing. Thank you very much. We love to hear that. <laughs> yeah, and we're we're having a good time too. It's sort of a we weren't really sure where this journey was going to go, but it's been totally fulfilling and learning a ton as well. So it's been fun. So uh, with that, um, how did it all start, you guys? Where where did this come to you? How did it come to you? All right, um, I should probably start because. Uh, I actually got early because you're all you're older. I'm old. Right. <laughs> During my freshman year in uh, college at Glassboro State College in South Jersey, it's now Rowan College. It was the spring, and uh, a guy knocked on my door and said, "Hey, you want to play some pickup ultimate?" And I said, "What's that?" And he said, "Come on out." So I went out there, and I think there was about uh, ten or twelve guys, and we played some pickup ultimate. I had never thrown. I can't ever remember throwing a frisbee before in my life. And this was uh, something pretty unique and new, and um, I had a lot of fun. You know, I knew this. I was on the first floor of my dorm, Malta Hall in uh, Glassboro, and this guy was on the third uh, floor. I was in one of his classes, and lo and behold, it turned out to be uh, Kevin Igor Harper and his uh, roommate, Bill Johnson, and those two guys are in the Ultimate Hall of Fame. You know, I had some good teachers. So really what happened after that, I went home. I was so excited about learning Ultimate. I went home and said, Irwin, let's go out and get a master. That's what we were throwing, master frisbee. Went to Toys R Us, I believe, and I, I got him to start playing. And he got all his friends from high school to start playing Ultimate. And that's all we did, like, like the rest of the summer. Played Ultimate at night under the lights. So Ultimate was the first exposure, and then you got fired up, and you said, oh, my God, Irwin, you got to check this out. Is that how it went down? Yeah, so basically, um, I'll take it from here, uh, I'm from my standpoint. Yeah, Jens came home from college, uh, I remember because I was wrestling, I was in my wrestling uh, mindset, you know, because I played football, wrestled, and played baseball for, for years, three seasons every year, and summer ball too, and, and so forth, so why not add another sport, right? Jens came home, and I remember there was snow on the ground, and he said, let's go out, let's go outside, and uh, we played on the side. We lived on a dead end, and we l went on the side street. And he started playing catch with me. Uh, first of all, he could, you know, he could throw it accurately. You know, <laughs> he could he threw it straight, and it came right to me. Whether it was overhand wrist flip, backhand, 
and sidearm. I'm like, what? How is he doing this? He, he looked like a magician to me, you know? And, uh, and then he threw a skip shot, you know, like a right uh, backhand skip shot, right curve into the uh, road. And it came right up to me. I'm like, this is crazy. How is he doing this? And so that's what started it. And we started playing catch and playing catch. And he started teaching me, you know, how to throw different throws. And then I, in turn, um, got a lot of my high school buddies into it. And, uh, and that's how it all started. And then, uh, Jens, why don't you tell what, what was the first organized Frisbee uh, event that we went to? So I, I just to add to what Erwin said, I need to say something about skip shots, man. I tell I, I coach ultimate now and I tell all my players, I'll give you this disc, but don't you ever play on pavement. <laughs> I tell them, man, don't ruin your disc. <laughs> so I never throw skip shots on pavement anymore. Anyway, uh, getting back to what Erwin uh, was saying. So that summer we played ultimate and then I went back to school played ultimate at college uh we really didn't we had a team but we really weren't competing and this is we're going back to 1975 you know i'm going to take a few minutes to try to draw a picture here on on you know how it was back then but you guys are familiar with sports illustrated i mean at one time sports illustrated was the magazine even if you didn't get a subscription if you were in sports you read it you either read it at home or your friends at the dentist's office at the doctor's office or you read it um, at the newsstand, it was it was a big deal. In February, I believe, of that year, Victor Malafronte and John Kirkland had an eight-page spread in Sports Illustrated on their tour with the Harlem Globetrotters. Sports Illustrated came out with this article, eight pages on Victor and John. I mean, it was amazing. You, you know, just a few months later, um, before school ended, Igor told me, hey, Jen, Octad is going to come to New Brunswick. It's a big uh, eight, I think it was eight event tournament and you know victor and, and uh john are going to be there ed hedrick guys from the midwest everybody who's anybody is going to be at this tournament so i told Irwin, and we went we went as spectators and let me tell you to see victor and john there at the octet it, it was just like the first time i went to yankee stadium and, and um you know i had been watching the i don't know how old that was 10 11 the first time I went to Yankee Stadium, I had been watching the Yankees on black and white television. You go into the turn, you go through the turnstiles, you're going through the tunnel, see the field, and this beautiful green grass is there. That's what it was like to see, to go to Octad and see, you know, I saw Mickey Mantle, all the other great Yankees. And you go to Octad and you see these guys jump off of Sports Illustrated pages onto, you know, Johnson Park, Octad. It really, really did have a big impact. I mean, you see these guys... In Sports Illustrated, and now you're actually throw it, John or or uh, uh, Victor. But we were watching them, and we we're playing on the same field. Do you remember that, Irwin? Yeah, you're talking about when we first saw it in '75, right? Exactly. Irwin is 16 at this point. I'm 19. And and uh, to put more perspective from my mindset, I definitely share the same exuberance. Um, you know, what Jen's just uh, expressed about seeing everybody, like, you know, not, not only Kirkland and Malafonte, but Kerry Colmar was there, Peter Blurm, and, um, and uh, you know, everybody who was anybody at that time that, you know, you could read in the IFA newsletters or, or different things. You know, Stork was there, Dr. I. And also, I got to see Ken Westerfield um, and, you know, the Canadian crew. And, and um, I followed, I actually followed... Ken Westerfield's golfing round 
through 18 holes. And uh, uh, I was like a little puppy dog, you know, because when when he threw, it was magnificent. It was like, you know, and, and then I got to see Victor throw the sidearm, the two great sidearms of all time. And uh, it was it was amazing, you know, to see shots go around the tree, you know, with light plastic, you know, like 80 yards away. It was just phenomenal. And then uh, not only that, but uh, of all the people, Ken definitely made a, uh, an impression on me because he was like uh, so humble and so, um, you know, with the Ken Westerfield character that he had, he was so aloof, yet he would go out there and just blow you away with what he could do, you know? And uh, that was 1975, in Octad in April. And uh, that's what really did it for us. And then a couple months later, our family, or my mom and dad, and uh, went on a vacation to Peru. And Jens thought ahead, and he got Whammo send the box out to Peru waiting for us so that we could, while we're there for three months, three and a half months, we could then practice what we saw while we we're in Peru. And uh, Jen, you could take it from there. Well, wait a second. So did you did you guys see uh, freestyle moves that were going on, or was it just throwing? Like, where, where so, was the game at? You know, one of the great things about 1975, 76, 77, 78 was, like, if you went to a tournament, um, you know, the North American Series format didn't start till the following year, in 1976. But in 1975, that's, you know, the, the, at the end, in, I think, Jersey Jam, that's when... In October, that's when the nail delay was pretty much, you know, everybody then knew about the nail delay. But there was tipping. There was, you know, a lot of trick throws, trick catches. In 1975, I believe, was the first time that Ken Westerfield and, and his partner Jim Kenner and some other guys, but mostly uh, Irv Kalb and Stork, came up with cooperative moves, you know, where they actually came together and did a co-op. Because up until then, you know, it was really just throwing catch back and forth, that kind of thing tipping you know like one of the things that that stork and, and dr i were great at was just you know coming up with a bunch of different new things i don't know if you i don't know if you knew but their one of their slogans was uh the doctor operates and stork delivers uh, i never heard that <laughs> i like it you know 1975 you know there was a um there was a world championships in 1975 but jens and i we were well i was we were oblivious to that because we went on a trip to peru Oh, yeah, yeah. So Erwin mentioned um, Ed Hedrick was there, but I didn't talk to him. You know, I was just like, who was I? I was just like a punk kid, you know, like watching the, the tournament with all these superstars. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, Joe Cahill, everybody was there. It was it was amazing. And he wow. was there. And I'm thinking, this guy, you know, it's funny because he was 52 at the time or 51. I'm thinking, who is this old guy? You know, look at me now <laughs> playing. But it was crazy. It was crazy. Uh... And he's out there. Yeah. He's like an executive of Whammo, and he's throwing plastic. I'm, you know, it was like it was really hard to uh, to really get wrap my like brain around it. But like I'm saying, right. I'm thinking to myself, man, there's something to this. You know, people from the Midwest, people from from Canada, from Rochester, from California, all coming to New Jersey to a tournament. It was crazy. And so, uh, getting back to the uh, to Whammo and and getting the discs for for Peru, I did write a kind of. Uh, not a naughty letter, but kind of like, uh, and I said something like, you know, uh, you, you executive types, you should be like getting together with the, the grassroots players, you know, giving them this and, you know, help, help to promote the sport and stuff like that. Really, 
the whole bottom line was I wanted a, a free case of discs to go to take a Peru. <laughs> anyway, uh, um, the discs never came. And a few days before, Erwin and I went to Toys R Us. Erwin probably doesn't remember this. And we bought like, I don't know how many discs, 20, 30 discs. And none of them were masters. They were all like Super Pros, Moonlighters. Moon Moonlighters, yeah. Yeah, and we took them to Peru. We took like 30 discs to Peru because the discs from Wham didn't come. You know, what Irwin said that the discs came, they did come, but they didn't come till after we came home from Peru. And there was like a box sitting in our living room. It was pretty cool. Yeah, like Irwin said, we missed out on that season and we were gone for the whole summer in Peru. But man, that tournament, we just almost lived, ate, and breathed frisbee from then on you know so did you start developing did you start developing yeah. your kind of style in peru bro why don't you take that yes yeah, so yeah so so here's what happened we we had ton of family there so they were inviting we invited us all different areas of peru and wherever we went we took our bags of frisbees with us and we not only took bags of frisbees with us but we took the memory of that 1975 octad and we tried to duplicate westerfield's Tip, you know, his kick tip, Chow, whatever he did, Jose and Chow, whatever Marini and um, and Dougie did, and uh, Kirkland and Dr. Rye and Stork and Kerry. We just took whatever we saw, and we had three and a half months of just trying to figure out what this freestyle is, and we had a blast doing it. So we went all over the countryside of Peru, and we had plazas, and, you know, uh, especially in Lima. You know, they have, um, just like in New York City, Central Park or wherever, they have um, artists performing in the plazas for money. Me and Jens would go and take our little spot. We would start playing. We were, we were just these two guys from Jersey, right, in Peru, in a plaza, and just, just playing our game. And that's where we learned uh, how to play in front of a crowd. Like, it just wow. not make just a, a regular under-the-leg catch. Not make under the leg catch an under leg catch, but make it the best under the leg catch you ever saw in your life to these people. Behind the head catch, make it the best amazing behind the head catch they ever saw, you know. And then make the behind the the back throw the most fluid, the most graceful behind the back throw. Or, and and that's how we learned to perform. I, I believe my in a Hall of Fame speech in the, for the International Hall of Fame, I said it was our canvas, and it was because. We had three and a half months of just combing the countryside, just playing in front of people, having the freedom of not not caring about failing because what was there to fail to, you know? And so we did that all that time, tipping, kicking, uh, brushing, um, whatever was going on back then. That's what we did. Yeah, trick shots. Exactly. Skip shots. And uh, when we came back, we were like, man, we missed 1975 World. What was all We were gone. From the U.S. for three three and a half months, we came back and found out there was Pepsi commercial and so much stuff going on. Me and Jens were like, "Man, we 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 missed out big time," you know. But in a way, you didn't miss out. You ended up developing exactly. this whole performance style without having to worry about competing. You guys were just exactly. having fun. You weren't right. You're right. You're right, uh, Randy. One of the things that that developed also without us really realizing it was our play together. You know, I didn't have to talk to him. We knew we played so much together that we could just read each other's minds on what's next or what we're going to do or what works and this and that. And 
that just happened repetition constantly playing yeah. wow that is so awesome what a what like you say what a what a blessing and a gift that you didn't even know was happening but getting back to that we had missed going to the wfc because we were in peru and we felt like oh man we blew it we didn't go you know because igor and, and don sauce Kane, all these guys from new jersey went. we felt like we missed out <laughs> yeah by the way when we came back from peru there was a big box of frisbees in my living room that had been delivered while we were in Peru and a bunch of frisbees in there. So with a letter from Ed Hedrick. So that was cool. But one other thing I wanted to uh, say that Erwin reminded me of um, back in Octad 75, it it truly was an amazing experience. And to see again, I, I can't say this enough to see Victor and um, Ken Westerfield throw their sidearms. I had never seen anything like that before. And to see that for the first time, it's like, wow. It, it was almost like it was surreal to see those little CPI all-stars. It, it was just, it blows your mind how, how those guys can throw, both of them. Uh, I, I, I want to add, too, like the first time um, I met John Kirkland, so Erwin and I are throwing back and forth. We're not competing. We're just playing there, right? Just, you know, it, it was like a mecca of Frisbee at that time. All these guys, you know, coming to uh, Johnson Park, New Jersey, playing Frisbee. We're just into it. Just We're just throwing back and forth. You know, I don't even know what we did. Trick throws, trick catches, tip is, tips. You know, I don't, there was no, uh, um, there was no delaying at that point. And so we'd do a lot of fake throws and come up, you know, you know, and we, we both had martial arts background. So we, we added that to it. So I'm throwing this fake backhand um, forehand throw with a follow through backhand. Right. And guess who sees me do that? None other than John Kirkland. And his first words to me was, young man, let me see that again. Right. And he had really, really long hair back then. I think in Sports Illustrated, they called him a wandering desert prophet, which he looked like. Wow. wow. So you guys come back from Peru. You guys are figuring out your throws and you're kind of getting this performance set under you. And so you come back and you go to a tournament. Was, and was it a freestyle tournament? Like what was what were the next yeah, steps? Exactly. One year later from the time we saw a freestyle tournament first time. So now in 1976, uh, April 1976, um, for the Octad, Jens and I, for the first time, get freestyle to get in front of um, the freestyle community. And that was what started all, that tournament for us, because we wound up taking second to that tournament. Sec- second to all these ridiculous legends, you know, that we looked up to and were just blown away. And Jens and I, you know, we came out of nowhere and we wound up taking second to, uh, was it Dave and Doug? Yeah. Yeah. And so that, we, we took a look at ourselves. Oh, my God. You know, we took second at the 1976 Octad, where people from the West Coast, from Canada, everybody came. And it was our first freestyle tournament. Uh, that was April. And then four months later, we were world champions. We were world freestyle champs at the Rose Bowl. Wow, that's amazing. One year after they see freestyle, they go to Peru, hone their skills, and then become Rose Bowl champs. Uh, I mean, what an incredible story. Yeah, I love how they spent so much time traveling in Peru and 
really use the audience to give them feedback on how to play. Like, it's not just a leg over. It's the best leg over that I possibly can do. That's really a great mentality. Yeah, exactly. And uh, it really, you know, came through in, in how they performed, even not just their first time at the Rose Bowl, but for decades later. I mean, just amazing. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's great to hear from those guys. Well, uh, everyone out there, thanks for your support that you've given us so far. And uh, if you want to continue to support us, buy a t-shirt or continue to donate. And uh, we just encourage you to become a guru today. Yes, thank you. It really helps us out. All right, Jake. Uh, I guess we'll talk to you next time. Yep, I look forward to it. Thanks for listening to Shooting the Frisbees with Jake and Randy. To contact us or for more info, check us out at frisbeeguru.com. Home to Haynesville, Shooting the Frisbees, and live streaming freestyle frisbee.